Hey everyone, we just wanted to welcome you guys to this uh, new thing we're trying out. It's called the cutting room floor. Is uh, This is time where we're going to come together and uh, talk through our series that we just finished up, which is Revelation. And uh, really the idea of this came from our preaching team uh, meetings where we were talking through like everything that you had to leave on the cutting room floor, especially I was thinking in those like beginning uh, times where we were going through two chapters of Revelation at a time, there was just absolutely no way that you're going to fit <laughs> everything in at once. And so uh, we thought we wanted to just share a little bit more with you guys. Uh, if you would find this interesting, you could just uh, listen to it. Uh, we have uh, it on SoundCloud as well, where you could listen to the podcast, uh, or you can just watch it here on YouTube. But um, it's just some time where we're going to talk through some of the series, some of the unanswered questions that we heard people have from some of the groups that were going through it. And just, uh, yeah, dive in uh, a little bit more and, and see what kind of stuff was left on, left on that floor there, right? There was a lot. There was a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, the kind of the first question that I had or that we have is just uh, what has been something uh, that you have discovered through this process of going through Revelation? What have I discovered? Um, wow. Uh, first of all, I think to approach Revelation with humility. And maybe I had that before, but I've discovered it even more. descubierto que hay que llegar a Apocalipsis con humildad, ¿verdad, Martín? Claro, claro. Y algo que aprecio mucho, Raz, de cómo manejamos el estudio fue eso, con respeto y entendiendo que es un libro muy importante que debe ser tratado como cualquier otro libro de la Biblia. Like... We had to approach this book as if we were approaching any other book of the Bible. So that was very cool from the experience working the three of us together. Yeah, and I think that's some of the things that we had heard was the fact that like people were realizing how much this book uh, does connect to the rest of the Bible. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's one of the things that uh, I walked out, uh, out of this series with is just like seeing how Revelation connects not only with the New Testament, with the Old Testament, and uh, you just see the roots of that book stretching pretty far into the rest yeah. of, of Scripture, which is, I think, really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, so true. And I think, you know, the thing is we come with humility, but the, other, the flip side of that is, you know, I think for me, one of the things I learned is I don't need to be intimidated. There's something to learn and discover. I may not understand it all, and that's mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to grow. And I don't need to be uh, scared off. And, you know, a lot of people, that's kind of what I heard from them. is like, you know, I used to be scared of reading this part of the Bible, mm -hmm. but now I'm not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, what kind of feedback have you guys gotten at, from uh, people who have gone through Revelation with us in this process? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. There were lots of different things. Uh, one thing that some people said is they wished we could have gone slower and deeper. Algunos querían profundizar más en Apocalipsis y, y tener un, un ritmo un poco más lento. I totally resonate with that. Uh, yes. And I think we could still be on Revelation right now and probably for another year. <laughs> and, and those were some of the tough decisions we had to make as a team. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to go deep enough to be able to, to, to get into some of the details, but also how do you do that without losing the big picture? Como profundizar en Apocalipsis sin perder el panorama grande. That was kind of the, the tension that we had to work with. Yeah, and, and remember, guys, when we were talking about how to name this series, 
uh, to me, that is so profound, reading the book of Revelation with fresh eyes, with new eyes. And that resonated with our groups. Like, for instance, in the, the Spanish group, it was precisely that, how to deconstruct my preconceived ideas on this book and dive in with fresh eyes. Eso lo, lo compartimos en el grupo en español mucho. El, el título de la serie, cómo estudiar el libro de Apocalipsis con nuevos ojos, con ojos frescos. Y, en, y eso cambió la mentalidad del grupo a la hora de, sí. de meterse en este libro. No, exactly. No, I think the other thing I heard was what we just said before. People that said I was afraid mm -hmm. and or intimidated or I just stayed away from that because that's like the spooky corner of the Bible <laughs> that yes. I don't want to go to, right? Uh, and, but now people saying, no, I, I, I feel like this is, you know, I can read this and there's something there to give me hope and encouragement. Again, don't understand it all, but I don't have to shy away from the book of Revelation. También que no tengo que, como dijimos antes, no tengo que tener miedo de este libro. Puedo entrar en este libro y ver la esperanza de su mensaje. Um, what has been some places that people were hung up on when it came to Revelation? Oh. You know, I think we're, we may get into that a little bit. I think there are some things that maybe people expected to hear mm. and they didn't hear it. And That's so right. maybe there were things like, why didn't you talk about X, Y, or Z? Mm -hmm. uh, and again, there's some explanations. We'll probably get into those details in a bit. Sí, la gente que querían explicaciones de cosas que a lo mejor no hablamos. Why didn't you talk more about this or about that? Mm -hmm. um, Martín, I don't know. What else did no, you I, hear? No, I, I agree with you. I, I think it was the, uh, the, the topics that were assumed were part of the book of Revelation, but they were not. So, yeah, we'll dive in into this. Well, I think we should. Topics. I think yeah. okay. do it. right in there. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess my question there is, uh, so where's the Sermon on the Antichrist? Where is the Sermon on the Antichrist? <laughs> well, here's here's a uh, a truth bomb here. The word Antichrist does not appear in the book of Revelation. Oh. La palabra Anticristo no está en el libro de Apocalipsis. Now, I'm not saying that the, you know, that the, the subject or the, the concept of it can't be mm -hmm. shown there, but really the, the word Antichrist comes from is found just in three or four places in the letters of 1 John and 2 John. Hmm. And the other interesting thing, as I explored this, actually, you know, as that question was asked, when you look at those texts, for example, 1 John 2.18, 1 John 2.22, it really refers to Antichrist either as the spirit that is against Christ, hmm. the spirit of the Antichrist, or it says, like in 1 John 2.18, you've heard the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. So it's this mm. not necessarily, you can maybe make a case, but not necessarily that there's going to be this one person who's the Antichrist, but that there's a spirit and a way of being that is Antichrist. In mm. uh, 1 de Juan, 2 Juan, hay el sentido de que Anticristo no es solo una persona, sino un espíritu y unas personas. And, and uh, you know, it even says whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, such a person is the Antichrist mm -hmm. or against Christ. And so mm. that could be any person who denies who Jesus is. So again, uh, you know, uh, if we're reading with fresh eyes and we're looking at what did a revelation say, it doesn't say mm -hmm. anything about the Antichrist. Mm. 
and, but, and, and know, Russ, use that word. Yeah, and, and what about the uh, the Second Thessalonians two three? So that's yeah, Paul speaking. Yeah, so I mean, in Second Second Thessalonians chapter two verse three, there is a reference to what's called the man of lawlessness. In Second Thessalonians, se habla del hombre de la maldad. And uh, again, you would need to then go into Thessalonians and try to read what Paul is saying there. And people, mm-hmm. I think, have argued uh, that that is referring to a specific figure, one person who's going to kind of represent that. And then you've got to go over to First John and say, well, we think that the man of lawlessness is connected to the Antichrist. Then you've got right. to go over to Revelation and say, we think this <laughs> yes. is where that's at. Uh-huh. And so that's, I'm not saying that's impossible, but I think... There are two levels here. Hay dos niveles que hay que tener en cuenta. What we've been doing with Revelation is looking at the level of, first of all, meaning. What is this saying? What is it not saying? What did it say to the first Christians who read it? Mm-hmm. ¿Qué decía esto a los primeros cristianos? El nivel de significado. Once you have that, then you can go to the next level, which is the level of interpretation, which is where I think a lot of people like to be. It's like, well... Where's the Antichrist? Where's this? Where's that? Those are interpretive. That's interpretation. And that's where a lot of our discussions and disagreements come from. Mm-hmm. But yep. if we're disagreeing about the interpretation and we haven't even stopped to read what's in there and get the meaning, then we're kind of, I think we're kind of talking out of, out of ignorance. And, mm-hmm. and so um, that's, I was really in the series trying to get us on the level of meaning. What is, what did it say? What did it not say? Mm-hmm. It didn't say anything. You know, Antichrist didn't appear. Yeah, I think that's yeah. one of the things I loved about this series was it was taking at, look, uh, looking at Revelation and just saying, what can we know? What are some of the foundational mm-hmm. truths that we can be sure of and really plan our roots in? And all that stuff that we don't know, we're just going to be honest. And, say, and you said it several times where you're like, there's this, there's this, could be either right. one, it could be something else. And you were just very open and honest uh, as we talked through Revelation about where we're just trusting in faith that God has the best plan in store for mm-hmm. us. Um, but we did know, we do know that this, this, and this, that, and, and we were able to, and there was still a lot to cover just in sure. that stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and once you've established that, then yeah, faithful Christians are going to disagree about the interpretation, mm-hmm. and we can talk about it maybe with a little more light than heat. <laughs> Mm. Yes, you know, more more uh, explanation versus controversy, and you know, throwing, you know, uh, things at each other. Yeah, and one one of the the cool things too about this this series is that uh, how you approach it, Russ, it, it it really brings unity to Christians because we were talking ab- about core beliefs, about the importance of this book from a from an orthodoxy uh, mm-hmm. point of view. You know, it was yeah. it was. Christ-centered, it was Bible-centered, so that was super, super important. Our group, uh, in our, our Spanish discussion group, really uh, value that. Eh, ese principio de estudiar el libro de, de Apocalipsis, eh, buscando los puntos de unidad entre todas las perspectivas que tenemos los cristianos, yo creo que eso fue algo muy importante, ver la unidad central, eh, la ortodoxia de, del libro para todos los cristianos, ¿verdad? Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, if there were two words that I needed to come, that I came away with to describe for me what I heard in Revelation, what I read with fresh eyes, worship and witness. Worship the Lamb, Jesus, you know, worship the one true God, and in your witness, stay Mm -hmm. true to him 
through suffering, through difficulty, through the evil that is in the world, stay as a witness to Christ. And the, the, the worship of Christ, the witness of Christ, that gives us, that points, that lights the path to the hope we have in Christ. Mm. Sí, el, el testimonio que tenemos de Cristo y, el, y adorar y testificar a Cristo. Eso fue como dos palabras claves para mí, uh, eh, adorar y testificar. The next uh, question was on the rapture. Where is it? Again, the word rapture uh, really only occurs once in the Bible uh, in terms of that word. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Esa palabra rapto viene de Primera Thessalonicense 4, and it says there, you know, uh, it's talking about, you know, Christ will return, he will come down from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise, and then after that, we who are still alive will, and are left, will be caught up, that's rapture, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Dice que cuando Cristo viene, pues luego los que estemos vivos, los que hayamos quedado, seremos arrebatados junto con ellos en las nubes para encontrarnos con el Señor en el aire. So uh, again, you can argue and say that that's not the only place the Bible talks about the, r the rapture. Uh, Matthew 24 may be another place where mm -hmm. it talks about one person being left and another mm -hmm. staying behind mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. going that's up right, to yeah. be with the Lord. Mateo 24 habla de uno que se deja, otro que se va con el Señor. But again, we're starting at the level of meaning or the level of what Revelation says. It doesn't specifically talk about rapture as a word. Um, but then when you get to interpretation, you're going to have different views. Some Christians will say, well, there are kind of two comings of Christ. There's the first where he raptures his church and the second where he finally defeats all the mm -hmm. enemies, Satan and death mm -hmm. and hell. Yeah. Other Christians, faithful Christians would say, no, really First Thessalonians is talking about one and the same thing. And that actually uh, the coming of Christ and people being caught up to the him in the air may be actually the people of God going out to receive the victorious king who's now coming down mm -hmm. to rule. And uh, again, I think it's, uh, yeah, R.C. Sproul who says that's maybe the minority report in our <laughs> culture. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is, again, faithful Christians disagree on this, and there's terminology for all of it, but mm -hmm. we won't go into that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that was one of the things that I think a lot of people had their ears open to and were waiting for mm -hmm. that uh, word to pop up because, I mean, there's movies made out of it, right? There's yep. tons of books who have made millions of dollars on that subject. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, obviously maybe it is that way or maybe it's it's this other way. But I think it's so refreshing just to say, well, that's that's actually not the point of Revelation is not the main focus is that mm -hmm. we get to be rescued and taken away. In fact, one of the things that I uh, was paying attention to was how often God's people were uh, walking through it, you know, walking through hard times mm -hmm. through Revelation. And it wasn't until the very end that you see the glorious uh, New Jerusalem and, and all the pain to go away. Um, oh. And so I think there's something uh, crazy and amazing about how God walks his people through the suffering um, and he's there. I mean, he experienced it yeah. first. Oh. And, and the other point, too, is what, what, what we were talking about earlier. It's we cannot afford to lose the sight that this book was relevant. And uh, this end times uh, view, it was relevant also for the Christians of the first century. Those who John took the time to write this letter to, uh, these end times were... Uh, 
meaningful to them. It was important. So, so then how do we take something that it was written for those Christians, for the Christians of the fifth century, 1,000 years, and so on? It was mm -hmm. relevant for all of us. Yes. So that is a, a very important point. Yeah, so. I know in my, I think one of my last messages, I talked about two challenges that, first of all, one challenge is how do you interpret all the images and the numbers and the symbols. Mm -hmm. That's one issue. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Como interpretar los ima las imágenes y símbolos. The other one is, uh, you know, how do you interpret the sequence of Revelation? Is this, you know, the seven trumpets and the seven seals and the seven bowls? Is this a repetition of the same cycle or is it going forward 100% mm -hmm. or is it a mixture? La secuencia es otra cosa de entre los sellos, las trompetas, lo, la, los... Eh, eh, como los llaman las copas de ira. Mm -hmm. oh, and then the third thing that actually I didn't mention, this is from the cutting room floor, is the debate on when is Revelation talking about something in the past, when is it talking about something in the present, and when is it talking about something mm -hmm. in the future. Many times I talked about some things that have already passed, like the Roman coin and like Nero and the beast being mm -hmm. connected. And, and uh, there are those who say that, all of Revelation is just talking about the past. Correct. It's all yes. 2,000 years ago. They're called preterists. Hay los que dicen todo lo de Apocalipsis es el pasado. I wouldn't say that I fall into that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, whenever we look at prophetic prophecy in the Bible, there's a near fulfillment and there's a long-range fulfillment. That's and the, mm -hmm. the long-range fulfillment, you you know, it's, it's obviously, if it's still in our future, we don't, we don't see it 100%. Mm -hmm. We can look back and see some of the short-term fulfillments mm -hmm. more clearly. Mm -hmm. And that's why I talked about some of those. Mm -hmm. And it's important to, to mention that we do see those same kind of, uh, you know, uh, fulfillment in the, their present lifetime and then fulfillments that didn't happen until Jesus came all throughout the Old Testament, right? Yep. And uh, that's where a lot of the um, Gospels were going back and, re like, pointing to things and saying, you know, that— you know, yeah, Isaiah said this, but it also fulfills this and with Jesus, right? And so exactly. uh, it would make sense that God, in that same way, in those prophetic books, uh, as, you know, Revelation is a prophetic book, um, would do that same way, same same kind of style of uh, writing and understanding. Yep. So that's what's really cool. Again, yep. I love those roots that, that stretch back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen. Um, one of the big uh, questions around was... Uh, the time of tribulation and mm -hmm. uh, what that all was about. If there's a time period, just uh, there were, I think there were several questions around mm -hmm. that. And so just kind of wanted to plop that on the table for sure. us to kind of talk through a bit. Again, I did some digging and the word tribulation is only mentioned once in revelation as a word. Now the concept I think is there more because mm -hmm. there is a lot about persecution and suffering. It's in mm -hmm. revelation seven fourteen after the sixth, I think it's after the sixth seal it says, these are they who come out of the great tribulation. Mm -hmm. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Apocalipsis 7, 14 dice, estos, eh, uh, dice, aquellos son los que están saliendo de la gran tribulación, han lavado y blanqueado sus túnicas en la sangre del Cordero. And so, uh, I think the question about tribulation, that I, as I would probably understand it, is not so much, will there be suffering, persecution, difficulty for Christians? We're told that in the Bible many times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not the question. The question is, what about this specific time frame of uh, seven years or three and a half years or whatever? And again, 
you know, uh, some of that is coming from the book of Daniel, where it talks about uh, that there's a time of oppression on, on the people of Israel for time, times, and half a time, which could be interpreted as three years. Uh, Revelation talks about the 1260 days in chapters, I believe it's in chapters mm-hmm. 11 and 12, where the, you know, the two witnesses speak for 1260 days, and then they are begin to be oppressed. Uh, so the question is, what about that? Again, what I tried to do was to go to where Revelation would take us. And when we start thinking about when does tribulation happen, how that's, those are interpretive questions that have been debated over the centuries. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a view called dispensationalism, which would say it's a literal seven years, and some will say at the middle of the seven years, there's a rapture, the church is rescued. Others would say no, before the seven years. Others would say after the seven years. Mm-hmm. Another view... Uh, millennialism would say, well, this is again a language to say it's a time. It's a brief time. It is a concentrated time, but it's not forever. Mm-hmm. And so again, it may or may not be a literal seven years. These are the kinds of questions that you are making decisions at the level of interpretation. You're not, it's, you know, you're just reading the text. If you're just getting the meaning, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, again, we went where the text took us as much as we mm-hmm. could. So. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I think 100%. I think, you know, again, it's one of those coming with humility to, to say, hey, we might, it might be this, it might be that, yeah. but uh, what we know is there will be tribulation, there will be mm-hmm. hard times, there will be suffering for God's people, um, but God is good, and he has ultimate victory, and I think Amen. that's one of the main points for it, right, is, is that victory, and, um, and, and to have hope through of it. Yeah, and I think to see that we have Christians in our world that are going through the Great Tribulation right now, or a Great Tribulation, I don't know if it's the, but, you know, we may be called to suffer in some way. Are we ready for that? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. What do you hope people walk away with uh, from this this book? Um, well, I want to give Martina a chance to answer that while I think a little bit. <laughs> well, you know... Um, I think the answer comes from uh, the peace, you know, that we receive after finishing the study. It's to, number one, to know that God was in control, he is in control, and he will be in control. So I hope really this takeaway for everybody is to have that trust that God is in control, Mm -hmm. that even though things are crazy now, Things were crazy in the past and will be crazy in the future. Mm. God is in control. So I hope that people can have that assurance. ¿verdad? E- e- ese es el, el deseo que a través de esta serie que la, podamos aprender y atesorar que Dios estuvo en control, Dios está en control y estará en control. Esa, esa Amen. paz que viene de la confianza de Dios. Amén. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think I I hope that people do take away the priority of worship and witness, the priority of being so clear in our confusing world, no matter what happens, uh, Jesus is in control, and he is he's that, uh, I talked about the word pantokrator, which is the Greek word, mm-hmm. he's got everything in his hands, yeah. and I'm going to worship him. Having the mark, I just became that idea of having the mark of Jesus on your forehead, on your hand, the mark of Christ versus the mark of the beast. 
what's my life going to be marked with? I want to be marked by worship of Christ and a, and a witness to him to the death, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope that we're encouraged to do that. Uh, espero que podamos ser animados para adorar a Cristo, sobre todo tener la marca de Cristo en nuestra vida versus eh, la marca de la bestia y de testificar a él, sea lo que sea, venga lo que venga. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the things I hope people gain from uh, going through Revelation is just that they would, again, I think we talked about it before, that they wouldn't have fear, right? And uh, as we were talking about uh you know, this, the cutting room floor, one of the things that kind of came from that conversation was that we hoped that people would see the Jesus of the Gospels in, in Revelation, that that's the same guy. He's the same one that's in control of, of all those things and in the same story, right? And seeing the love of Jesus that we find in, in Matthew, Luke, John, and Mark, uh, we would see that, that they see that now in yeah. Revelation and would say, oh man, he's still good. He's still in control. He's, he's, way more uh, authoritative here, <laughs> way more in control, <laughs> um, much more in his glory where he comes from, right? Not coming down to us, but now uh, reconnecting that relationship. And so I think that's what I hope people will walk away with is saying, yeah, Jesus, he's good all the way through uh, from, from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And and uh, would have hope to, to go back to it. You know, I, I do hope that this isn't the only time that they go through Revelation. <laughs> yeah. well, and Definitely. that's the other thing I, I was going to say. I hope people come away saying, I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. You know, now that I'm not afraid to go to this book, there's more to discover. I feel like for me, having preached through this now, I just have that sense of it's a confidence, not in myself, but in, in that, yeah, I can learn more from this book, mm-hmm. too. Uh, espero que la gente tenga esa hambre para seguir y conocer más yeah. de Apocalipsis. Oh, man. And the, the uh, discussions, Greg, on the, uh, on the small groups have been incredible, you know, and there is a, uh, a thirst mm-hmm. to know more about it. And, and I would say to, to get to know God better. Yeah. And that is, that is really cool through, you know, through the, the study of the book of Revelation. Lo, lo lindo, ¿verdad?, que ha sido las discusiones en los grupos pequeños, en todos, Y esa sed, ese deseo de, de llegar a conocer más a Dios por medio de este estudio. And I would say, too, just to be able to pay attention to what the Bible is saying. I think we get a lot of conceptions about what the Bible says that they're not wrong, mm-hmm. but they're kind of far away from what the text actually tells us, like some of the things we talked about. And I, I know there was another question that came from your group uh, that I'm, I'm anxious to talk about because I, <laughs> I, I told Greg, this is just, uh, it blew me away. I didn't know the answer until I looked it up. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. the question was uh, in, re- in regards to death. Is that the question you yes, were talking that's about? that's the one. Yeah. Well, uh, great question. They say, wait, wait, wait a second. So in the Old Testament... We hear uh, about the angel of death. And then, uh, Russ, you were preaching that God is going to uh, destroy, you know, death. Mm-hmm. So can you explain us a little bit the difference? And, and I said, hey, yeah. we'll, I'll get back to you guys. We yeah. got to do some homework here. So, but yeah, what do you think about those uh, Old Testament and New Testament death? La, pre- la pregunta de, de si qué pasa con el ángel de la muerte en el Antiguo Testamento y el, el uh, y, y la muerte la muerte y, y Hades o el, la muerte del infierno en Apocalipsis sí, es la misma. Well, I did some research. Yay. 
the angel of death does not appear in the Old Testament. Uh, <laughs> you can't keep using that one, all right? No, no, no. Good. Uh, uh, this is where Good. we get. This is where we've watched the Ten Commandments too often. Yeah. You know Hollywood, and and the smoke that comes in and right. kills the firstborn of Egypt. Right. Exodus twelve tells us that the Lord killed the firstborn of Egypt. It does not say the angel of death did. Now there is a scripture in Second Kings where the Assyrians were around the, the city of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and it says the Lord sent an angel who put to death 185, or no, I think it says the angel of the Lord put to death 185,000 ah, okay. in the camp. Uh, que cuando en Segundo de Reyes uh, llegó el ángel del Señor y mató a 185,000 del campamento, del campamento de los Asirios. Mm-hmm. But that's the angel of the Lord, and in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord was always some sort of appearance of God mm-hmm. to the people, right? So yep. I, when you ask me that question, I'm like, I got to go research this. Yes. And I realize, <laughs> where I don't know where we got it, that idea of the angel of death. Uh-huh. It comes from somewhere. And the best I could think is when I was a kid watching the Ten Commandments, that movie. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. But the, it goes no, to... No, that's a, that was a great question, and I said, it well, is a we, we got we to gotta study, we got to go to the root and find out yeah. what's what's going on here. And so when Revelation so. talks about death and Hades being thrown into the lake of fire, Hades was the Greek word for the realm of the dead. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it, you know, it's like it's being personified, uh, death and Hades are being punished and, and destroyed, la muerte, el Hades, o el infierno, son destruidos. But uh, I think I was saying the other day, it's kind of like... Death and Hades is kind of like saying fun and games mm-hmm. or mayhem and destruction. Right, it's right. saying the same thing twice, Amplifying right? Amplifying it. Amplifying it a little concept, bit. But yes. yeah. So um, that's the best answer I came up with. Uh, but I think it does remind us, though, that sometimes we ask those questions assuming that something's there. And then when we start investigating it, I assumed it was there. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to find where the destroying uh-huh. you know, angel or the angel of death is. Didn't find it. Didn't find it. One of the things too th- in this study, you invited us to to read what what uh, the Book of Revelation says, and also what it doesn't say. Mm-hmm. Eh, y eso era un concepto muy importante en este estudio. Ver qué es lo que dice Apocalipsis realmente y lo que no dice Apocalipsis. Saber esa diferencia también. Que viene de la cultura. What yeah. comes from culture, from movies, from uh, yep. from yeah tradition that that is not the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of that when we first did the introduction to this book, you had that little skit that you did in your office where you had one pair of glasses and you were trying to read and, and you put another pair of glasses on top of that uh, pair and we're like, well, that doesn't quite work. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I uh, appreciated how true that was yeah. uh, through this of, until all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm still wearing some glasses. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't yes. know. I thought I took them all off. Um, right. But through this process, I think we have had that discussion several times. Where we're like, I didn't know I was still wearing some of yeah. these. I didn't know that yeah. this uh, where this came from. And I think this exactly. is a perfect example of that. It is a yeah. great example, yes. And, and thank God, you know, he gives us enough light through his word by his spirit. There's always more to learn. But the message still comes through loud and clear, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And that's the that's the thing we can be confident of. You know, we're we may be missing things, but in the end, we're we're not missing the main thing. God has clearly told us, you know, what we need through this book, and and hopefully people have heard it better, and I certainly have. Mm-hmm. 
Well, any uh, concluding thoughts or anything else that you want to say on this book um, before we conclude here? No, I, I think just for me to be to thank the congregation for hanging in for 15 weeks mm-hmm. and to thank you, Greg, for your part in, in sharing in this series uh, and Martin as well, your input as a team. You know, three three pastors, really, folks. I mean, that's the cool thing now um, that we, you know, you guys are effectively pastors. We're going to be celebrating that soon. But um, I'm just grateful that we could do this together, and we may all have a different take on it. But I am so, I am so appreciative of every person who, uh, you know, has faithfully studied and worked through this series, and I respect so highly um, what what people um, see, even if it's not what I see. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I second that, Russ, completely. Um, uh, my experience with all our Spanish-speaking folks is to acknowledge, number one, where they are coming from. They say, well, this is what I learned. This is what I've heard all my life, but I'm willing to go with mm-hmm. fresh eyes. ¿Verdad? Es, ese gesto tan lindo de nuestros hermanos de llegar y decir, bueno, yo aprendí el libro de Apocalipsis de esta forma por sí. muchísimos años, pero sí. estoy dispuesto a quitarme los lentes, como decía Greg, sí. ¿verdad? Y estudiar el libro de Apocalipsis Mirarlo de una forma nuevos, diferente. Sí. sí, no, eso, no, y de veras, como dije en inglés, he apreciado tanto y he respetado tanto la humildad con que nuestros hermanos claro. han, han intentado llegar y sí, aprender algo nuevo. Mm-hmm. Y yo también he aprendido sí. muchísimo de ellos. Así es. All right. We good? We're good. All right. I well, I so. want to uh, say uh, thanks for watching or listening, however you're uh, participating in this. And hey, let us know. Let one of us know if uh, you liked this, if we want to keep this kind of thing going at the end of a series. Uh, and uh, if you have any more questions, uh, feel free to ask us. Uh, we'll ask Russ later and uh, <laughs> <laughs> have him answer it. <laughs> um, but really, we'd just love to hear feedback on your experience of this and, and even just your experience through Revelation. So uh, thanks for watching. And hey, thanks, guys, for um, spending some time. And thanks, Greg. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. All righty. Cool. Good. <laughs>